knowing when your ship pulls in, that they will, they, they will have seen you. Eight, nine months deployed. They finally get to see you. Get all dressed up. Get all ready to meet uh, their husband or wife from deployment. We don't mind getting ready for those things. There are other things that are challenging that put us on high alert. Last, uh, during Christmas, we went up to Canada and then we were driving to Boston for, uh, for Christmas, going through the mountains of Vermont. And my car begins to slide, the back end begins to slide as we're going, you know, you go through Vermont and you're up and down and the, and the hills and, and the back end of my car begins to kind of get a little loose. Well, that puts me on, as you can appreciate it, high alert. I usually drive very much like this, kind of with my hand on the, on the, on the window sit thing and then, you know, kind of just briefly just holding the steering wheel. Cool and, but I tell you, when that first time my, my, the rear end of my car swerved, I didn't keep it there. Let me just say, it was not like, oh, it was like, oh. <laughs> but, you know, after a little bit, it didn't swerve again, so I kind of went back to casual mode. And then it swerved again. And, and then, uh, you know, it was, it was wet, the road was wet, so I was hydroplaning a little bit. Well, let me just say, I did not take the rest of the trip very casually. I still had five hours to go. They were the longest five hours I've ever driven in my life. As I was anticipating every turn, every corner, wondering what would happen. And again, I never went back to a casual state. Because I was on high alert. Something I needed to prepare my mind, my, my, just for what could happen. What is, what was what had already happened and what could happen in the future. We're going to talk about this here this morning, this idea of what it means to be alert. You know, most of Europe right now is under high alert. You know anything, what's going on with the terrorists. And although the country, the countries are on high alert, Belgium, France, and, and others are on high alert, I am sure not every single citizen in that country is on high alert. Although there's this threat, although there's some some potential danger, it's in our nature to kind of just go, well, does it really apply to me? Is it really going to happen to me? And we all have this tendency to, to let down and not continue to be on alert. And in many ways, the passage that we're going to look at this morning is Jesus' way to say, you need to be on high alert and you need to stay on high alert and make sure you don't approach the things that I'm going to say and what will happen, not may happen, but what will happen in the future. And make sure you keep that same intensity. Because he knows that we all kind of go back and, and lose that alert status. So turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. Title of the sermon is Ready or Not. Jesus already has been on many, many different occasions, you know, kind of firing shots over the bow of, of this idea of being, of, of, of warning. 
And so he continues his, his same focus to make sure we're, we are getting this. And it says uh, in, in the, the version that I'm reading, get dressed for service. We'll talk more about what that means as we go on here. Keep your lamps burning. And be like people waiting for their master to come back from the wedding celebration so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. Blessed are the slaves whom their master finds alert when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve and have them play, take their place at the table and will come and wait on them. That's, that's a cool thought. The master actually, in fact, reverses roles and comes and meets their needs. Even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night and finds them alert, blessed are those slaves. But understand this. Again, Jesus always wants to get our attention. You need to grasp what I'm about to say. Understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. Very true. You must also be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And I love Peter. And Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for everyone? He just asked the question probably what many thought. And I love Jesus' response. Didn't kind of answer it saying yes. He just said, well, the Lord replied, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his household servants to give them their allowance of food at the proper time? Blessed is the slave whom his master finds at work when he returns. I tell you the truth. The master will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But if that slave should say to himself, my master is delayed in returning, and he begins to beat the other slaves, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk, then the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not foresee, and he will cut him in two and assign him a place with the unfaithful. That servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or do what his master asked will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know his master's will and did things worthy of punishment will receive a light beating. For everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And from whom has been entrusted with much, even more will be asked. And Jesus is trying to put his listeners and all of us on high alert. To understand that he is, in fact, coming. Ready or not. But he wants us to be ready. He wants us to be dressed. So what is it that Jesus wants us to do? How can we, in fact, be prepared? How can we be ready for His return? How can we be faithful in the things that He wants us to do? Well, I have three points here this morning as we talk about how it and what it means to be ready in our lives. Number one, we need to get engaged. This whole idea of being dressed for service or being dressed ready for service, it means girding up your loins. Now, we can't fully relate to that. We don't wear kind of long robes and... and, and, and you know, things like that. But in that day, you know, they had, they had their long robes and, and they had a, a belt. A, that, well, what this meant 
is that you would tuck your robe in your belt so that when you ran or you had to go someplace, you would not trip over your robes. You are ready and alert. And this passage takes the Jew back to the, the Passover and, and, and tells them to, to watch out, to be prepared, just like the Jews were at Passover. What happened at Passover? Well, Moses had, through, through the hand of God, done some great and amazing miracles, and yet Pharaoh's heart continued to be hard. And so Moses appears before Pharaoh and says, one last time, God is going to do this amazing thing. If you don't relent, basically, your firstborn and all of the firstborn will die in this country. And so Israel, you know, Pharaoh doesn't give in. So Moses, by the direction of God, goes and says to the Israelites, if you want to save your family, here is the instruction. You need to take a lamb, you need to smear its blood on the doorpost of your door. If you do that, you will be saved. If you do that, there will not be a judgment that comes upon you. Now, if you're a good Jew, what would you think of that instruction? Do you, you would, you would follow it, would you not? And so the Jew was, was told to do that, but he was also told to take this pass, this Passover feast. And part of that was to tuck your, your, your belt in and, and be ready, you know, ready to go. Jesus is trying to portray and paint this picture to those listening that this is the readiness with which you need to approach my coming back. It's the readiness you need to have when it comes to how you live your life. How you approach your discipleship. Do we have this sense of readiness in our lives? Because ready or not, to the, to the, uh, to the Jew, if they chose to ignore that instruction, they paid the price. They're first, firstborn. In that case, my parents followed, failed to follow that instruction. That would have meant my life. Pretty sobering stuff. But these are the overtones that Jesus is trying to paint. And so as he teaches his disciples, he wants them to understand the, the need to get ready, to wait, to be engaged, to have anticipation, to be expecting, to be vigilant, to be watchful, to be on guard. Interesting here that, that Peter is the one that asks the question, hey, is, is this, is this, are you, is this for us or is this for someone else? Well, let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1 and let's listen to what Peter says really in, in, a very similar fashion to the words of Jesus. In 1 Peter chapter 1. I think as you'll, you'll have to admit as we read this passage, Peter understood what Jesus was saying. Because he almost quotes it verbatim in the sense as he starts this little section. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13 says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. It's the same kind of usage. Gird up your loins. Dress, be ready for service. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. 
And as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives in strangers here in reverent fear. And he goes on and he talks about how we're not redeemed by kind of these empty things, but by the precious blood of Jesus. But what is, what is Peter wanting them to, to set their minds on, to gird up their loins, to, to get ready to tuck their belts in? It, it's this idea of being self-controlled, to understand grace given you, to be obedient, to not conform to the desires of the world, but be holy, to realize that you, you and I are set apart. We are sanctified. God has set, chosen us to be used by Him. But if we're not vigilant, if we're not alert, if we're not serious about sin in our lives, then God cannot use us. He cannot... But, and, and there will be a price to pay. And we've got to, as, as Peter says, we've got to put some prepare our minds for action, we've got to put some safeguards in place. We've, we've got to be on high alert to the things that attack our hearts. Jesus has dealt with that over and over again. When He talked about being, watch out, being on guard, He, he was saying, watch out, what? For hypocrisy. Having kind of the outward things, but you, you miss really the most important and the inward things of your heart. Watch out, be on guard, be a sentinel of, of, of greed. The things that will trip you up the things that will take your heart away from me. Peter says the exact same thing. All of these things that, that remove, that, that take us away from our relationship with God and, and cause us to trip up. Putting safeguards in place in our lives. Getting people in our lives to help us to be holy, to be sanctified, to be set apart, to being open with our lives, to, as we're talking about, even as a region, as a church, to remove veils in our lives that prevent God from working. But how serious are we about the sins and the things? Are we ready? Are we alert? Are, are, do, do, are, are, is our mindset every single day that we're on heightened alert for the potential attacks and temptations of Satan. I can guarantee you, every single one of you is attacked by, by Satan. Some in similar ways, but some in different ways. Some in sexual sin and purity and things like Some in, in greed and, and lusts of a different nature. Some in, in bitterness and, and greed or anger. Uh, we, we, we can be tempted, but what I understand from these passages Am I on alert to those things? Or do I just kind of have a casual mindset and, and a, a, a sexual temptation comes my way? Oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. Or, or the, the, the bitterness towards someone comes or, or anger comes and, and I lose control. You know, we, some, some, some of us struggled sometimes with our uh, fits of rage on the road and driving and our attitudes. And maybe I need to prepare my mind a little bit more before I get in the car because something may happen while I'm driving that I need to be prepared for. Maybe a silly example, but 
No. I just kind of get in my car and go, and then something happens, and then my tempered blood pressure goes... <laughs> got to prepare my mind. We've got to be ready. We've got to be engaged. We've got to tuck, tuck the belt in and, and, and get ready. We've got to get ready and get engaged whenever God's Word is preached. Whenever God's Word is opened up. Whether you're, it's in a, in a, in, in this setting. Or whether it's in a Bible talk. Or, or whether it's at a devotional. Or when you are at home. Are you engaged when God's Word is opened up? That you're waiting. You're anticipating. You're in touch. You're, 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 you're waiting for, for God's Word to, to move you. You're taking notes. You're, you're, you're eager. You're excited to, 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 to have God move your heart. Or are we casual? And it's not necessarily, and here's the challenging thing, it's not necessarily whether someone with eloquence can do it. It's the fact that God's Word is preached and I listen with a heart to be receptive and, and allow God to speak to me. And we all have different talents and abilities, but when anyone gets up here and kind of stands at this podium with God's Word, what is your attitude towards them? Are you engaged or not? And God forbid that we like the Pharisees, and we go back to Luke chapter 12, who is in earshot of Jesus? The Pharisees. The very ones who should have been engaged, who should have listened, who should be ready for the Messiah, should be ready for it, they're not. Because they have taken the Word of God and they have formulated it in the ways that they wanted. And so when someone else spoke, they looked at it through their lens and go and go no that's i don't see it that way we got to be open to hearing god's word isaiah 66 says has not my hand made all these things and so they came into being declares the lord but listen to this these are the ones i look on with favor those who are humble and contrite in spirit who tremble at my word. Are we engaged? Are we ready on this level? Secondly, not only do we need to be engaged, we need to be faithful. This passage, Jesus wants us to understand this need for us to be reliable, dependable, trustworthy, all these things that are, you know, synonyms for being faithful. We've got to keep our lamps burning. We've got to be at work. All through this passage, you, you, you see this readiness, but they are doing something. And there's the contrast of those who are doing something and those who thought to themselves, well, he's, he's, he's not coming back. There's the contrast of those who are at work and those who are not. But there's the idea also of faithfulness, and Jesus certainly wants us to understand it's been 2,000 years since He 
has, has come. He promised that he will come back. He is faithful to that promise. But again, over time, we begin to lose this sense of urgency in our lives. And even things that when we were first Christians, we were very urgent and diligent about, over time we begin to let down and we don't have the same sense of urgency. And sadly, over time, even last year, there were several people that, that left our fellowship. And one of the convicting things that I was, as I was looking through it, it wasn't that these were new Christians that kind of, sometimes you can understand when you get kind of converted from the world and you have struggles and you're still new to, to this discipleship stuff and Christian and, and trying to transfer your heart to God and then something comes and kind of you get distracted and go back to the world and a relationship or whatever it is. But some of the people that left our fellowship had been around for years. And I think to myself, wow, we've got to stay faithful. We've we got to stay engaged. We, 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 we can't let our faith slip slip away. And so Christianity, discipleship is faithfulness for the long haul. When I signed up and I said, I, I, Jesus is Lord, I, I, I didn't say that only when it was good. I said that for my, the rest of my life. Why? Go back to the beginning of this passage. I want to be and celebrate the wedding banquet with Jesus. And I want... I want him, and it says this, he's going to come and serve us. If I've been faithful, he's going to come, he's, he's going to take up and, and dress the servant robe, and he's going to serve us at the banquet. What, a, what an amazing thought that is. I want to be faithful to the very end. You know, one of the things that show our faithfulness is that we follow the master's agendas. That's what I see all through this pastor passage. He knows the, the master's will, but it, what are you blessed if you're, if you're doing it? We don't get to pick and choose what it is we follow. The master's agenda, the schedule, to-do list is the servants. No servant has the right to pick and choose what they will do. Or when they choose to do it. And so, yes, we need to pay attention. We're all servants of God. We are, we are, and Jesus is our master. And he will evaluate, evaluate your life and my life based upon whether we are following and being faithful to the things that he tells us to do. Are we faithful to the mission? It's so much a part of Jesus' life. So, so much a part of his heart. Are we faithful to seeking and saving the lost? Are, are, are we faithful to, to, to the fellowship and to, to the community and, 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 and discipling of one another as Jesus did, trying to transfer his heart into one another, trying to perfect Jesus in one another, trying to remove the veils? Are, are we, are we, are we faithful to that charge? 
or are we casual? We get into trouble, as this one servant does, when we begin to think to ourselves. A master's a long time coming. I mean, if you remember, there's a previous example of the rich fool who said to himself, hey, I've got lots of time. I'm, I'm going to build some bigger barns. And, G- and God says, you, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. And who's going to get it? You know, it's, it's dangerous when we begin to think to ourselves. And again, that's, that's some of the, that's the, that's the trap of the Pharisee that began to go, well, I think to myself, this is what God wants. We begin to look at the externals and we don't really deal with what is going on in our heart. We don't get to pick and choose what, how it means to, to follow Jesus. Jesus clearly tells us. We don't get to pick and choose how, how to become a Christian and what it means to have our sins forgiven. God tells us. We open the Bible. Again, we get engaged. We allow it to transfer our hearts and change our hearts. And we follow it. Even if it flies in the face of the world. We don't get to define what sin is. Even if generations change, even if our generation changes the definitions of sin. We don't get to choose that. I have no right. God is the one who did. But am I faithful? Am I faithful? Faithful means that I give an allegiance to it. I'm loyal. I resist distractions. Listen to these words and, 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 and think about your discipleship. It means to be constant and, and remain attached. It means to be resolute, to persevere, to be purposeful in all the things we do. Does that describe your discipleship? You know, in the context, Jesus is, he is focused and he's on his way. He's resolute. Going to Jerusalem, why is he going there? He is going there to die. He is resolute about the purpose and plan of God. He is faithful to that purpose. He cannot be distracted. And that's what he wants from us. We need to be engaged. We need to be faithful. And lastly, we need to understand that we will be accountable. You know, you can't escape the very sobering part of this passage that we will be held accountable as to how we follow the instructions and the will of God and how we handle the responsibilities. And this flies again in the face or is in stark contrast to our kind of culture who who seems to have this idea that we... we Really, we're only accountable to ourselves. No, you're held accountable to God. And He will call every single one in this room, every single one in this area and this world to account with what He has given you. If you know the Master's will and you don't do it, you're going to get beaten with many blows. There is no way to sugarcoat this. I 
I can think to myself, does he really mean that? Yes. I can try to rationalize it away. I can try to think that it really is doesn't apply to me. But if I know what God's will is, and if I know what He expects of me, and I do not do it, there will be a punishment. I will be held responsible. My life will be demanded from me. That, that term of accounting. There is an accounting of my life. And he who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from whom has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. You know, wow. <laughs> been raised kind of in church all my life. Been a disciple since 1987. God holds my life very accountable. There are things that He expects me to do. I've had the privilege of being around the Bible all of my life. He expects some return from that. This is a very mature region. He expects and He holds us accountable for, for what we do with, with our maturity, our experiences, our wisdom, our insight. He holds all of us accountable for those things. He has expectations of us. Not what we used to do, not what I did in the past, but what am I currently doing with what God has given to me. It's a present tense that God works in. What are you doing now? And teens, you've been raised in a Christian family. God has saved you from so much. He saved you from so much. And He expects so much. And parents of the teens... He expects a lot. He expects you to transfer your faith. To show your son or daughter Jesus. He expects us who lead in some capacity to lead. To inspire. To live with faith. To, to, to deal with sin, to, 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 to not be pharisaical, but to really deal with our hearts. God has given us trusts. You know, one of the things that, that, that I try to do every week is in, in the past we called them roles and goals. The responsibilities that, that God has given us. You may have heard me talk about this before. But I, I, we've changed the, the, the terminology and what, what we refer to these are our trusts now. Those things that God has given me. And so God has given me a salvation and a relationship with Him. So what am I doing with that salvation this week 
This week. I'm not, yeah, no, this, this week. What am I doing to draw closer to God? How am I dealing with that personal salvation that I have? If you're not having a quiet time, if you're not getting with God, you are squandering that trust. What am I doing with the relationship I have, the trust I have with Joyce? How am I, how am I helping her? How am I washing her in Ephesians chapter 5, washing her with water through the Word? How am I helping her transform, transform her to be more Christ-like? That's my role. And parents, the trust that you've been given as a, a father or mother, what are you doing? Even going back again, teen, teen parents, what, or, not even, I'm not talking just about teens, I'm talking about as, as kids. Bill and Ari League, you know, last month or longer than that, had, had a teen, had, a, had showed us a devotional. Has anything changed with that? Are you, are you doing that? We gotta wake up! We gotta get on alerts! Because sweet little Johnny, who's four years old, will be 24 before you know it. Trust me. You go, wow. So you're not dealing with sweet little Johnny at four years old. He may not be so sweet. The sobering thing, he may not be saved. Wow, these are trusts, guys. Trusts. Discipling relationships, friendships. What are we doing? What, how, how are we, how are we engaged? Are, are we, are we, are, are we sharing our lives? Are, are we, are we talking on the phone? Are, are we getting together? What, what are we doing with that trust? <laughs> this is, this is, this is big stuff. And you know what I see from this passage? There's no excuse. Most, if not all of us in here, are in the first category. You know God's will. Now what are you doing with it? I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. Most of us in, in, in North America are in this first category. We know God, we have access to God, the, the Bible. You know God's God's word, you know God's will, what are you doing with it? You're accountable. Better do something. But even though with some that don't, there's no excuse. Jesus just says there's no excuse. You may have heard this illustration before. Suppose you take this course, your professor says, okay, you know, in order to uh, pass this course, this is this is the curriculum. These are my expectations. Here's the textbook. Going to give it to you. Want you to come to class because I'm going to give some lectures on 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 the material and and uh, so time goes on. Don't read the textbook. You don't you don't attend the lectures. You don't go to the labs to, to kind of even with your fellow fellow students to kind of put it into practice and help understand the, the, the content. 
You take the final exam, of course, you fail. Then you think that God or the professor deserves to pass you. Professor has every right to fail you, right? Now, here's the interesting thing. Why, why, why with God do we think differently? Why with God do we think that we can fail all of the materials and yet God is going to just let us all in? I'm not trying to use human arguments here. It's just, it's a, it's a reality though. That God will hold us to accountable. Much has been given, much will be ex- expected. And we must surrender to the fact that we've got to be ready, we've got to be engaged, we've got to be faithful. And if you are not, you will be punished for that. You will be punished. So ready or not. Ready or not, Jesus is coming back. And disciple, are you, are you faithful? Are you engaged? Are, are, are you faithful to the things that God has given you? Think about it this week. Really, really think about it. What are those trusts? And, and what can you do? What decision can you make this week to, to increase and grow those trusts in your relationship with God and with someone? Share it with someone. Be open. And if you're visiting today, if you've been studying the Bible, ready or not, God would want you to be ready. We want you to be ready. Do whatever it takes. Sit down and study the Bible. Begin to understand God's will more completely. And make a decision in your life. Because ready or not, Jesus is coming back. Amen?